Hello and welcome to Fizz Free. Today you're joined by Ruth and Jane and we're going to be discussing rules. These are rules based around your consumption of alcohol if you've ever made any or if you know friends that make rules. For example, not drinking before 9pm or going on water at 11pm. First of all, Jane, have you ever set yourself any rules or should we say guidelines around alcohol? Um, very loosely. Not any that I would, um, like, formulate in my mind very clearly. I knew that roughly three large doubles on a weeknight was um, a steady amount for me. I knew that if I made that four, I would feel it the next day. Um, I knew that if it was two, I'd still be scratching. <laughs> so I had a rough <laughs> idea of my tolerance and what, I don't know, my medicine level I'm putting that in inverted air quotes. I knew roughly where I could get on what level of alcohol. Um, But I didn't really subscribe to lots of particular rules. And I don't know if that's because I was already quite far in. But nowhere really along my journey do I remember trying to be quite firm with myself. I was just outright reckless, to be honest. I... (laughs) I would try and remember to drink some water before bed. I would try and make sure I had a bit of food in my tummy before I went out. But these were all very uh, haphazard, um, fly by the seat of my pants if I remember. But I was just in an urgent hurry to get drinking. So I didn't set any hard and fast rules for myself in the way that I hear other people saying that they did, if that makes sense. Yeah. What about you? Okay, so that's, yeah, that's really interesting because I had rules... And they were they were very much a conscious decision. But what twisted and distorted my image of these rules was when I started listening to podcasts, I came across um, Craig Beck, who has written Alcohol Lied to Me. And I also came across Belle, who wrote Tired of Thinking About Drinking. And both of them refer to very much that rules actually are a massive alarm bell to say you've got an unhealthy relationship with alcohol, to actually put a physical sort of or mental barrier um, between you and alcohol which quite often let's face it was not adhered to and shows that you are uncomfortable with how much you're drinking so I thought about this so I did have rules for me it wasn't sort of don't drink before nine o'clock I very much had a rule after 11 o'clock I'd go on water but I my rule was I'd prefer to sort of drink earlier like go out for a meal and start drinking about six-ish because it then meant it was a longer time away from my 11 o'clock deadline, so to speak. I mean, obviously, there was times when I'd go past the 11 o'clock deadline, but not that often because that was my rule. My other rule was that I would only drink at a weekend and then you would know if you've listened to previous podcasts that that got completely smashed during COVID and, you know, I did drink during the week unfortunately um but some of the rules which I was having a look at which some of you may be able to relate to some people say that shots are an absolute no-go for me I agree with this yeah I couldn't I would literally projectile vomit if I ever had a shot and people knew this even when I was drinking they if I said no to a shot they knew not to push it were you a shot drinker well I think 
Oh, it just outgrew them, I suppose, because not in any recent years. They never were on the horizon. But then, like I said, by that stage, I was just drinking at home. But on a night out, I don't remember people doing shots for years and years and years. That feels like quite a retro concept, actually. <laughs> but thinking back to the days when people would do them, I knew that I didn't enjoy that just for the sheer strength of the flavour. And I knew that that would make me gag. And you can't be going around gagging because there's a real danger you're going to lose all that alcohol you've managed to put inside you. Um, was right. the mindset I very much had at that stage. So um, I would avoid them, but that was more of a personal... I'd, I'd rather measure my own levels. And, oh, and the flavours always rank, to be honest, in my opinion. Yeah. I never found anything nice flavoured either. It Just nostril hair burning. So, yeah, I can understand people yeah. avoiding them. I tried yeah. a few, but if, that didn't feature in any sort of a rule for me. It was just that I thought, yuck, I don't really like that flavour. Yeah, and I suppose this is where the lines are a bit blurred between rules and just, like you said, tolerance levels, isn't it? And I knew my tolerance level of doing a shot was just zero. There's no way my body could handle that. Um, But another one, which you've touched upon, Jane, is you said you would need to make sure you had something in your tummy. I've actually been on nights out where they've used the term, and I'm sure our listeners will relate to this, eating is cheating, have you heard of it? Yeah. 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 Yeah, but again more from younger days, more from yeah, studenty sort of days. I remember going out with um some girls and we went into a local city and it was this big big night out. We've been looking forward to it for ages. Now, I love my food. Genuinely love to eat. And I turned up, we'd got a hotel room, and I rocked up with my hotel picnic, as I'm going to call it. So I had, I'd made some beautiful, like, chicken skewers, I had bags of crisps, I'd got some bread, some olives, the lot. And as I was unravelling all this, thinking, oh, they're going to love me for this, they're going to be like, wow, she can come again, so it's quite a new friendship group. And they looked at me, and they were like, what the hell is she doing? And I was like, do you want anything? They were like, no, eating's cheating. <laughs> Oh, wow. And it's the first time I'd heard of it. I was like, well, I, I can't eat before I go out. And just for context, Ruth, how old were you at this point and had you got kids at this stage? Because that sounds like a real mum thing to do. <laughs> so, yes, I'd got children, but they were really quite young. I probably would have been maybe, oh gosh, 28. It just sounds like a mum thing. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to do yeah, an event, so I'm going to bring food and snacks for everybody around me to ensure a good time. <laughs> I think I'd even thrown a couple of like galaxies in there for good measure. We need some sugar as well, sugar for energy. Did you pack a party bag? (laughs) Pretty much, yeah, paper plates. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, So I kind of nibbled thinking, oh, well, I don't want to look like an absolute gorger. So I kind of nibbled and had a few bits. But honestly, halfway through the night, Jane, I had to cave. I had to say to them, I need to eat. And we went to one of the restaurants where we were um, and it was kind of like a bar slash, you know, a bar that happens to serve food. And I'd ordered um, a burger and um, a side of potato fries, like sweet potato fries. And they're like, how can you eat all that when you've just eaten that in the room? And I was like, because I'm hungry. And I, I knew, like, I could feel the alcohol kicking in at that point. And I did think, if this is going to be a long night, I need to put some beef down there I need to make sure I'm, I've got some padding for this alcohol yeah, to go down into <laughs> everybody's got different body compositions for a start but honestly just hearing you describe that it's just taking me back I would very much look at the food and think right I need 
some and I would literally be looking at the food thinking come on then body I'm going to put this in you just so that I can get away with drinking more so you know I wouldn't want a big heavy meal but I'd, I would know that I should need a slice of toast or a small bowl of pasta or something I would put a token amount in my tummy as like a a pre-apology to myself before I heaped all of the abuse on top of it. But then I would always come home starving. And then there's the next day, isn't there? The whole carbs thing and just the desperate munching of anything to make you feel better. Like you've just took me back to it then, thinking about eating actually on a night out or towards the end of a night out. That urgent hunger, like just give me dry carbs. Oh God, I don't miss that at all. I hadn't even thought about that for ages actually. It is. And did you ever go out for a meal... And you were drinking, having a nice time, and you felt that hit because you were waiting for your starter to come. Your starter came, you ate that, then you had your main course. And did it ever really frustrate you that you would start to feel like you were sobering up even though you were drinking because you'd eaten so much? And you'd be like, why aren't I getting a buzz off this? I'm, my wine's in front of me, it's going in, but yeah. I'm sober. It's a constant fine-tuning, balancing act, isn't it? You just want to have that hit of alcohol over the food, but you know you need the food. And, oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, what a balancing act. What a lot of effort that is. Yeah, completely. So then it got me into thinking, right, the rules I used to set myself. If I knew I'd gone past that 11 o'clock point and I'd carried on drinking, and you know when it gets bad because you start to feel a little bit unbalanced. Your words start getting slurry. Oh, so annoying. And then, <laughs> I know. Your yeah. brain And when people point say. it out, oh. and you're like, no, you're rude for pointing that out. Don't you dare say that. And actually, I'm like thinking, yeah, fair point. Um, and, you know, the floor somehow just starts jumping. Like, why can't I walk straight? And you know at that point you've gone too far. So my other rules that I'd bring in, I'd be like, right, I'm going to down a pint of water now to try and flush it all out. Because in my head, that's what I need to do. Surely if I drink water, that's going to go through my digestive system. I can wee it out and it'll wee all the alcohol out. And realistically, (laughs) you just felt glug. (laughs) Well, realistically, what actually happens is you it actually can make you feel worse because you're dehydrating yourself more which sounds bizarre but have a little google it does explain it all um so somebody else suggested to me rehydration sachets and I thought yes I'm buying into this this is a winner surely so I tried that and unfortunately that didn't work but on that note there are some companies out here that are actually making a fortune out of this, that they're actually coming up with products that say hangover relief or hangover preventative. And it's a lot of them are based on rehydration sachets. And do you know what? As a consumer of alcohol years ago, I would have given anything for that golden ticket to wake up the next day with no hangover, wouldn't you? Yeah, they market it like you're refueling and re-nourishing your body with essential vitamins and minerals. I think I've seen those advertised in like um, chemists and supermarket high street places. I think I tried that for a few years and I think I convinced myself it worked. But again, I just you're just clutching at anything, like you say, to try and just dodge and get by. Um, but, you know, the other thing you've mentioned just then and it just brought back a memory is the next day with a hangover one catchphrase that somebody said to me once I kind of held on to it they said a hangover is simply dehydration that's all it is 
And somehow I found it okay to think like that. I thought, well, if it's just dehydration, then I haven't really done any damage and I simply need to rehydrate. It's dangerous. It yeah. is, because I just thought, well, you know, it, it's going to take various times. Some days I might feel rehydrated within a few hours and be okay by lunchtime. Other days I'm going to have to accept that I've written the whole thing off and I'm still rough by six or seven o'clock in the evening. But it's, it's just dehydration. That's all it is. And it, it was oh, like just a way of coping, I suppose, with dodging the truth about all the serious harm that goes on with the sheer level of abuse and the amount that you're drinking but just when you were saying that about you know taking rehydration sachets anything to try and dodge that hangover the next day that phrase just popped into my head the hangover is simply dehydration you're fine all you got to do is hydrate and then you'll be okay and I suppose there's some level of truth to that but it's 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 like a politician line isn't it so it's not really the truth yeah. there's a whole lot of else going on under the surface and um Oh, it's horrible, really, when you think of the, you know, the many levels of damage. And I can imagine supermarkets and things selling rehydration sachets as a quite a cutesy, you know, pop it in your handbag with your, your phone and your lipstick and your little cushioned heel pads for your shoes. You know, ooh, dehydration, exactly. a hydration sachet. Oh no! Yeah. Oh God! And yet, does it help? So, I mean, can it help people? We don't. I don't know. Proven effectiveness. At some point, it probably. Yeah, it probably probably does to some point, but obviously the the backbone of it, it's a toxic poison. So yes, it makes you urinate more, which is why it dehydrates you. Um, but you've still got everything else going on in the background, attacking all of your organs. So it's, you're never going to stop that. Yeah, it's not an instant um, undo button, is it, in a sachet? <laughs> exactly. It's more, right, you've done this to your body. Let's just see if we can lower the symptoms a little bit but leading on from that so you've gone for your night out you've smashed through your initial rules you've gone on to the treatable initial rules and then you wake up the next day your mouth feels like the sahara desert you've got a banging headache your stomach feels your stomach feels like something's died in there and it's like a whirlwind washing everywhere you go into the loo because you've got horrific diarrhea. Am I painting a lovely picture here, Jane? Just <laughs> bring it back so horrible much. memories. <laughs> Why did we give up? Oh God. Um, so the next point of call really is, and this is statistically proven, that your body actually craves sugary food. And I never understood why when I had a hangover. Why I was constantly reaching for chocolates or Haribo or anything to get a sugar fix. Like bread I just felt like I needed something starchy and carby just to line my stomach but as soon as you ate well for me anyway I just instantly bloated and obviously you put in sugary foods which increases your c-reactive protein just like alcohol does so you've got bloat upon bloat and you just feel so awful and I was googling ways to deal with it what to do the next day apparently there is a soup sorry if I pronounce this wrong but I think it's called a bouillon soup which apparently has got so many vitamins and minerals in it can really help you get through a hangover oh, but, but Ruth you've also just given me a flashback about those days where you try to take a bite of anything oh, and God. once it's in your mouth you just suddenly realise I ain't going to be able to swallow this <laughs> I can't swallow it because I'm just too poorly and um, that awful, awful nausea. And the idea of a soup, get out of here. I would never have managed a soup. Cheesy beans at most, or dry carbs. Yeah. But, oh my God, I feel horrible thinking about trying to eat a soup. And it's another liquid on top of all that other liquid, really. Yeah. Wow. 
What interests me about this, because it led me on to looking at advice online. Now, the 111 NHS website, which if you live in the UK and you're listening to this, you'll be probably quite aware of of this link. Now, they've said, do not drink more than you know your body can cope with or Mm. can't cope with. Sorry. And I'm like, don't feel comfortable with that, because actually you're putting the onus back on the consumer who is a consumer who isn't informed, who hasn't got the knowledge of what this poison does to the body, and yet you're saying, drink responsibly, please. Here, have one of the most addictive drugs that is legal. Please drink it. But if you get addicted and drink too much, then that's on you. Because we've told you, don't go past the point where your body can't cope with it. And do you know what else... I found and I checked quite a few websites for this not one website actually said if you look on the NHS ones and all all the health ones nowhere says do not drink when you google how to cope with a hangover really nothing yeah honestly I mean there's probably thousands upon thousands of websites out there and I'm sure websites like Alcohol Change UK are a massive advocate for sobriety they probably would but from what I could find on the NHS, nowhere did it say, give up, abstain. It just said, know your limits and drink less. Wow. They did say, there was one website I found, which said, avoid hair of the dog, which we, I'm sure we've all been there. If you don't know what hair of the dog is, because I don't know if that's a bit of a British saying, it basically means you get back on it the next day because to feel better, you need to put more alcohol into your system. Mm. have you done that before no do you know that's something i never really no i know it shocks me too because the the amount i was drinking i could never face it the sheer light in the bright light of day i was like oh my god what have i done i've probably because i was still riddled the idea of putting anything else in there no do you know i never i never really did that isn't that weird i thought that's yeah. yeah i thought i would absolutely but even on weekends when i easily could have I was very much like, oh my God, I need to get back to, I need to sober up. I need to spend the daytime sobering up so that I can drink again tonight. Wow. So no, I never, I don't know, I never really went down the hair of the dog route. I don't know if I ever have, genuinely. Oh, I have. Really? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Because you feel that poorly and you just want anything to sort of wave a magic wand to make you feel better. And I, I just thought, oh yeah, it's probably when I've been on holiday or something and not been at work, but... I've got back on it and to be honest it I hate even admitting this but it did take that pain away granted it came back with a vengeance the following day it was like too just delaying it I suppose oh but, absolutely um, maybe maybe Ruth because I saw you know alcohol is my treat I didn't feel like I deserved that treat in the daytime that's that's an evening thing I don't know I could never it's a bit like somebody offering me a coffee at 11 o'clock at night I would be like well no I'm not going to yeah. do that. So, hey, that's interesting, isn't it? It taps in with rules, clearly. My rules are yeah. you, don't, you, don't, you don't have hair of the dog. You don't touch the stuff in daylight hours. Because if you remember, I would drink more. I would never do daytime drinking, really, either. It was quite unusual for me. Or if even if I was on holiday, it would be quite late afternoon. It would, I wouldn't have daytime drinks. So I suppose that was a, a kind of a rule that I put in for my own kind of safety. Because I was a hard and fast binge drinker, binge drinker I knew that I couldn't 
you know have a, a beer or two at 12 o'clock over the barbecue and then uh, a glass or two of wine at three in the afternoon I just knew I couldn't do that because I knew that once I started I would smash it that was one rule I had I just wasn't much for drinking in the daytime certainly not until sort of closer to dinner really so yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought about that that is a rule I had for myself yeah and do you know what this website that I found and it said wait 48 hours after your hangover and then you basically were saying green light to go again your body's repaired in 48 hours so go and abuse it again I'm just like I was reading it thinking oh god no like you're basically just giving somebody the green light and just saying yeah a couple of days you'll be recovered you'll be fine crack on and that is hard as well lurching from completely not having anything and then blasting it for a few days and then nothing for a few days it's so um, extreme isn't it and it, oh, it's tough on the body and the mind it is and I could really relate to Belle who mentioned tired of thinking about drinking because for me setting up these rules were kind of taking up a lot of my emotional headspace and thought space and I was like putting boundaries and rules in place because I don't want to drink and I don't want to hangover. and she was like if you are feeling like this then you're fighting against yourself because you know you actually don't want to do it, but you can't stop yourself from doing it. Um, So what I'm trying to say is the reason for this particular podcast is if you are setting yourself rules, then just have a little think about whether you're actually comfortable with the rules that you're putting in place and do you adhere to them? Do you set them and then feel really disappointed because you haven't followed them? think it's quite an interesting topic really it is and I don't think I'd ever put much thought into this when you asked me at the start of this did I have any rules I was like no not that I think of and of course I did you've brought them all up now make sure you've lined your stomach (laughs) (laughs) make sure you drink much later make sure that you have some water before bed to make sure you don't drink in the daytime yeah there's clearly rules in there that I I think they Mm. might be have just been quite subliminal because I didn't want to admit my alcohol problem out loud and the extent that my drinking was getting to, there's no way I'm going to voice rules out loud in my head to myself either, really, not consciously. So, yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting one. Another rule that I find really interesting, which I've witnessed, is people often say, I can't drink wine, wine's my nemesis, oh, I'll have a banging headache if I drink wine, but gin's all right. And it's as if they crack on and and drink as much gin as they want because in their head it doesn't give them a headache and it's meant to be lower in calories and it's kind of a a given free-for-all then that it's kinder on the body so it's fine do you know that reminds me of a a catchphrase of I don't know how it goes it's something like grain before no wine there's something about a grain Something to do with beer versus wine, you know, and you'll be fine. Something like that. Uh, beer before okay. wine and you'll be fine. Grain before... Oh, I should have researched this. But, uh, you know, that's another classic little rhyme to help you remember yeah. which alcohol to drink in which order so that you'll hopefully not feel too rough. Yes, like that's coming back to me now, actually. I think I've heard something similar. It's yeah, um, It's also personal as well. Like somebody might be listening and thinking, God, I've never done that. Why would you th- do that as a rule? But then may have a wacky rule. Like they buy extra small wine glasses so it makes them feel like they're drinking less, but even though they still get through a bottle. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you really hit the nail on the head when you said 
with rules comes a lot of extra cognitive brain power. If you are having to think about rules, however explicitly or implicitly, the fact is there's a lot of your thought power being channeled in that direction and and following those rules or considering those rules or breaking those rules or rewriting the rules or twisting the rules. That's still a lot of brain power that you could be investing on so much other healthier, wholesome avenues within your life isn't it and I, I think that's that's one of the big things about making rules no matter if you know you're doing it or not it's still you're trying to police a poison that's what it's like isn't it trying to be the police of a bottle of poison and it it's always going to be poison absolutely yeah just say no no to rules because the moment I thought was enough was enough was when I just felt I was thinking about it too much so be free Get it out of your life and honestly, you won't have to set another rule again. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Fizz Free. Find us online on Facebook, YouTube, on X and Instagram, as well as most major streaming platforms. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, the email is fizzfree0, the number zero, at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate us and to give us a like and a share to spread the word. Changing your relationship with alcohol. Less fizz, more free.